Hey guys, Pastor Marcus here. Welcome to the Pomo Pastor Podcast, where our focus is going to be how to optimize your local Adventist church. I hope you're blessed by what you hear and that it inspires you to make a difference in your local church today. Hey everyone, it is Marcus here and welcome once again to the Pomo Pastor Podcast. Today, we're going to discuss an awesome topic, what is church, but I'm not by myself today. Today, I'm joined by a special guest who actually made a big impression on me years ago, and uh, and I knew at that moment, at some point, I've got to connect with her and, and, and do something, and so I'm really excited to have her on the podcast today, and I'm talking about Pastor Kessia Rain. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Kessia. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Marcus? Uh, I'm doing awesome. We first met at Southern Adventist University around 2014 when you came and spoke to the graduating class um, that year. And uh, you were, I, I still remember, you know, your sermons. I still remember, I still remember Judd Lake getting on the podium and saying, oh, she has out preached the professor of preaching or something like that. I don't know. It was really funny. Um, <laughs> Um, and you were also part of some church plants in Chicago, which we'll chat a bit more. We'll, we'll chat about that a bit more later. But um, just you know, to introduce you to the listeners, uh, tell me just a little bit about yourself and what you're up to these days. Sure. So I'm currently an associate pastor at the College View Church, which is the college church here right on the campus of Union College in Lincoln, Nebraska. I am the pastor for discipleship, and I've been here about a year now. So moved to Nebraska actually just about a year ago next week. So still uh, figuring out the best places to get Vietnamese food and such, but definitely feeling more and more at home. After seminary, I did some um, local higher pastoring in Michigan conference, and then um, went to Chicago to pursue my PhD in theology from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. And um, while I was there, we were heavily involved in two church plants in Chicago, as you mentioned, and then um, had a couple kids and am here now in Lincoln. You are the pastor, you said, at the College View Church. What is your particular role there? My particular focus is in a couple areas. Um, the main one I'm working on right now, my first year or two here, is to increase our member engagement. College View Church has about 2,000 members on the books. And so, wow. um, especially being part of a college community, we have a lot of people who are transient as well. And so that adds a different flavor. Um, so that adds up to be a recipe for coming and leaving and mostly being an observational congregant. You know what I mean? Like I come, I watch church and I leave. And so one of my big areas of focus is to see what can we do to increase engagement and particularly engagement that looks like service. So how can we engage our membership and those who come through our doors, even as guests and visitors, parents of students, students who might be here for one to eight semesters, how can we engage them in the mission of Christ in service to his church? So that's my big focus here. And then a little bit of also small group development and religious instruction. You know, it's funny, like while you're while you're talking about that, I'm thinking to myself, 
I, I may actually have to send you an email um, outside of this podcast to get some of your some of your wisdom on that particular area because I've actually one of the churches I'm pastoring. It doesn't have two thousand members, right? Like that's you know like that's wild. Um, but it uh, it does have a lot of transient students because we're right next to a university. But look, I always like asking a few fun questions to to the guests just to um, uh, get to know them a little bit better, a little bit on a deeper level. So I'm going to ask you three, all right? Three okay. three favorites. Three years. I'm, I'm after three of your favorites here. Uh, favorite movie. Oh. Oh man, superlatives are not my strength. I have a hard time narrowing things down. Favorite movie. How about I give you one I really, really liked? Okay, that's fair. Um, oh, the pressure. Um, <laughs> I, I think the movie was called Proof. Proof. It had Jake Gyllenhaal in it and a blonde woman. Okay. I'm like really showing my lack of cultural literacy right now. But anyway, I really <laughs> liked the movie. It was about math and psychosis, and I thought it was good. Okay. Well, look, I just Googled it, and there's like three different versions. Oh, no, there's two. There was a 2005 version and a 1991 version. Um, I think it's the 2005 version. Okay. It's a, it's a play adaptation. Yes. Yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. very cool. So, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I'd actually never heard of it. I'm going to have to check it out. All right, next question. Um, favorite, this one should be easier, by the way. Uh, favorite book. What? Uh, favorite book. That <laughs> is not easier. Um, what, what those listening to this interview cannot see, which is I can see because you're on a camera, uh, is this massive bookshelf full of books behind you. So maybe it is a bit unfair. <laughs> That I'm asking you to pick one. <laughs> it's it's very tough to say, but it might be. Oh man, I don't want to be too predictable here, but it might be Steps to Christ. Okay. Images, but yeah. they're just so good. They're books that I just can go back to again and again, and I'm like, what? That just blew my mind. Yes. Yes. No, I love it. No, that's you know what? Steps to Christ has got to be the book I've read the most. Like I read it and reread it. I'm actually rereading it right now. I'm rereading. Um, I'm going through Sherry Peters' version, the recovery edition, um, because it's like it's the same content, but it's in the English of the year 2000. You know, so it's it's really modernized. Um, so if you haven't read it, check it out. Recovery edition of Steps to Christ. Ten bucks at the ABC. I expect uh, I expect uh, a commission somewhere. I'm just kidding. So, all right, last one. Okay, I, I, this one should be the easiest. All right, let's let's see. Let's let's try my luck here. Um, favorite favorite dessert. Hmm. Maybe gelato, lavender gelato. You know, like if you eat if you eat like a Kit Kat or something, it's like. It's basically waxy kind of flavor, and you can like chow the whole thing down, and you're like, "What did I just eat?" It had like one sense, but the but gelato, it, the flavors are so intense, you can really just like have a little bit, and it's like a mm. full flavor experience. Yes, I I hear you, man. The first time I had gelato, which is weird because it's like gelatos everywhere, but the first time I ever had it was when I came to Australia. My wife took me to this place called Gelari's, um, and and uh, and I was like, I remember like eating this i thought it was an ice cream at the time because it looked like one i mean it sort of is i suppose and i remember yeah. like eating this thing taking my first sort of like mouthful and and looking at her like what the heck is this this is amazing it was just 
the texture, the flavors. Oh, yeah. That's Look, anyone listening, you. You if you haven't had a gelato. the first time you ate it. Absolutely. I was in Frio, the city of Fremantle in, 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 in WA. And, uh, and it was nighttime. It was a Saturday night. And I looked at my wife as soon as I bit into this thing. And I was like, what? the heck is this it was so good so um i've become a fan since and i probably go a little more often than i should but that's a different topic so <laughs> well thanks thanks so much Cass. thanks for playing along man it's 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 been good um look once again uh just for those who are listening welcome to the pomo pastor podcast um today like i said we're going to be discussing the question what is church uh, a very relevant question, a very important question, because there's actually a lot of misconceptions, and those misconceptions um, kind of can actually stop us from fulfilling the mission that Jesus gave us. But I want to start, Kessie, I, I want to start with a question that might be a little bit easier to grasp. So we're going to get to what is church, but I want to lay sort of the foundation, I wanna, the, the situation. Um, so I want to start with this question. <clears throat> What is church not? <laughs> what is church not? Um, there, there are a lot. There's a longer answer to what church isn't, probably, which is let's see, church is not a club where you pay dues um, to enjoy leisurely activities with like-minded people. Um, it is not a business where you employ strategies to increase your bottom line. It is not a marketing center where your primary purpose is to improve and increase your brand and brand relevance and visibility. Um, it is not a, man, it's not a cult. <laughs> <laughs> if I could roll that out, um, that's not what we're aiming for. You know, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a group of people intent on controlling one another. Um, yeah, there are probably even more answers to that, but those are four I'd start with. Things that church is not. Uh, church is not a building that we need to maintain with paying the utility bill. Um, and church is not an event that happens for 90 minutes once a week, preferably on the seventh day. Uh, <laughs> it's not that either. So, mm. yeah, church is is not a, a club. It's not a business. It's not a marketing center. It's not a, a cult. Uh, it's mm. not a building and it's not an event. But we do see that a lot, don't we? Like we, we do encounter that vision or picture of church in people's minds more often. You know, like people will say things like, oh, I'm going to church. Mm -hmm. But it's not a place and it's not an event. So what exactly do you mean? You know what I mean? So how, yeah. do you find that everything that church is not is kind of what we, what we see more yeah. often than, than we should? Oh, definitely more often than we should, for sure. Um, and I think it's because I, I will get to, I, I assume, what church is. And, and so I think the reason we find so much of what church isn't in the, our experience of church is because it's easier to grasp and talk about the 
those kinds of things like the event and the building and then to fall into relational patterns and, and lack of vision and mission that lead us to experience church in, in stagnant ways or in human-centered ways and so forth. All these like things that church isn't supposed to be. It's just easier to do. Yeah. Um, even though it's less beautiful, even though it's less important, even though it's less true, it's easier to focus on those things. So I think that what church is does lead us to meet together. And it does lead us to meet together in places, right? Because we are embodied people. So we need places in order to meet. So it does lend itself to services and to buildings and so forth. Um, but man, we do miss the entire boat if we think that church is the service or the building. And I hear a lot of that, especially in people... You know, people's connection to church is surprisingly tenuous. Even people who are really committed to Jesus and, and faith, it, it requires very little for them to lose touch with church and no longer attend, um, no longer be connected. And I've been thinking about why that is. And I don't have all the answers to that. And I don't know if anyone does, uh, if they do. I'd love to hear them, but, but I see all the time people slip away from, from meeting together. They don't show up to the building anymore and so on. And like, why is that? And I think it's just because our vision of what church is has been reduced to the kind of accoutrement, you know, like the, the accessories, the, mm. the secondary things of the, the place and the meeting and stuff. And so that's why we can say things like, um, oh, the forest is my church. I don't know if you've ever heard anything like that. Um, no, I haven't. I haven't heard that particular phrase. Yeah, but, but you some know, similar like, stuff. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, like oh, the forest is my church. Like that's God's true cathedral. Mm -hmm. And what they mean is that's the place where something that I think is churchy kind of happens. Or they might say something like, you know, my friends are my church. Um, that's another thing I've heard before where, you know, I don't need to show up to this building. I don't need to like come on a Saturday at 1045 in the morning. You know, I see my friends all the time. Like we're really close. Like they really know me deeply. They minister to my spirit kind of a thing. Um, and we don't need to talk about these churchy topics. Like my friends are my church. So we get that because we say, oh, it's like a service. And so we say, what can take the place of that service? Well, pretty much like this or that or this or that, like, oh, my cycling buddies like could be my church or what could take the place of this building? You know, we meet in buildings that are humble. A lot of them, they're not the most beautiful places. They're not as awesome as a mountaintop. They're not as, you know, serene as an oceanfront um, view, whatever, you know, so it's easy to kind of be like, why would I choose to come to this like hour long time where we like listen to someone talk and sing and or show up to this building that's not that impressive and i think that that's a result of just misunderstanding what church is and what church isn't at its yeah. core yeah absolutely look i, w I want to i want to get your take on like how did we get here because really like when it comes to a practical from a practical perspective uh, we 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 we're all sort of in this paradigm where we're not really living church as we see in the New Testament, but we're living under this paradigm that we've sort of created. And I'm sure there's like a long sort of historical trajectory to that. 
But how do you feel we've come to this place where where church is generally what it's not and not what it's meant to be? Does that make sense? Yeah, I suppose. And I think the answer is just about the time that the church started meeting was the time that things got confused. Um, because even when we read in the New Testament about what the church is, a lot of that theology, a lot of that counsel, a lot of those um, historical events that we see there are really in responses to church falling into being what it isn't, right? So, mm. I mean, way, way back, I mean, you think about Jesus with the disciples trying to build up a community of leaders who would be at the forefront of the church doing the ministry of the word, as they would say later, um, being witnesses to his resurrection. And right. So he's founding the church with these 12 disciples. And I mean, from the beginning, they're misunderstanding the nature of what's going on. Mm -hmm. Like they're about like, who's going to be first and the kingdom of God looking like this and like that and how it relates to the powers that be and the empire and all that stuff. So I think it got there pretty fast because our fallen natures are not prone to picking up on God's truth that easily. And, and so it's easy when we get together, we fall into the patterns of behavior that really are characteristic of the world. And so that is, you know, we, we fall into patterns, for instance, of laziness, right? Like one of the reasons that so much effort goes into what is church going to look like on Saturday morning and like making that the thing um, is because that's just about the only time we can count on some people coming, most people coming. Yeah, and that's a really good point. <laughs> like you compare that to your Wednesday prayer meeting. And even if you had a prayer meeting that was, had as high of production value as your Sabbath morning service, you're not going to get the same numbers. I'd be surprised if you got half. Um, because we aren't showing up, you know? So, That's right. So I think there are some practical reasons for that. Um, and as you say, and, and just the structure, and in some ways, like, I, I'm not a purist when it comes to church uh, structure. So, you know, I'm not what they might call a restorationist. I'm not trying to recover Acts 2, 38 through 42, because, you know, when you read through the New Testament, church did not stay looking exactly like that. As soon as they started going on missionary trips outside of Jerusalem, church took on a different look. Um, it retained the core of that, which is it empowered by the gospel and vitalized by the spirit and living in intimate fellowship characterized by radical hospitality, generosity, and devotion. But it didn't look like the same kind of structure. So I'm okay with the fact that our structure doesn't look like it did in, in Peter's day or in the day of Irenaeus or, you know. I think this is a, like a really good space because you've already poked at it to explore like so what exactly is church you mentioned some of the like foundational you know like the radical hospitality and and the gospel and the spirit um so what exactly is church not not what what does what should it look like sort of in a structural sense because i agree with you like i'm not a restorationist either you know i i think different cultures and different times call for different structures um but if we were to just narrow it down to um, 
you know, what is church in, as far as like its identity? What it's, you know, what would you say the Bible presents us with? Mm, mm. Um, I would say the church is a spiritually constituted fellowship of the redeemed who are gathered in Christ's name through their belief in the good news. And so to unpack that a little bit, um, you know, it really is a fellowship. That's the core of what church is. So that means meeting together from time to time, right? Like meeting together regularly. Um, it means certain kinds of activities when we meet together. So there are lots of exhortations in the New Testament about that about, you know, exhorting one another, encouraging one another, singing spiritual songs and hymns and hearing the word of Christ proclaimed and um, elements of church discipline as well and serving one another hospitality. So all those things there. But what none of those things could be church at the essence because it has to be the fellowship that gives mm -hmm. rise to all of those interactions. Um, so one of the things that 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 means, and I think this is the core of what people miss, is, you know, I, I might, you know, if given a, a week to really study this out and write a doctoral dissertation on it or something, um, might make an amendment here or there to what the definition I just offered. But that definition that I offered is crucial to me because it's a spiritually constituted fellowship. Um, which one of the things that we miss, Marcos, and I see this all the time, is we miss the fact that what makes the church the church isn't that we show up at the same time at the same place regularly. It's that we all participate in Christ through the Spirit. That's deep. And, That's deep. Yeah. Yes. It, it, it's like, <laughs> So easy to miss. Like, I think I was like 30 years old or something before I was like, wait, 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 what does the Bible say about that? You know, yeah. You know, I'm thinking about like you read the the New Testament scriptures and you come across verses like um, you know, 1 Corinthians 10 talking about the Lord's Supper. And he's like, because we all eat of the same bread and drink of the same cup. That's why that there's only one body, even though we're many people, yeah. you know, all participate in Christ. And so you see this participation motif, this fellowship idea through the New Testament, especially in the writings of Paul. And it's like, that's what binds us together. It's not because Marcos and Kessie Rain agree on things. Mm -hmm. And that is so crucial to me. Like I... I, I can't hear these discussions that, that people have about um, their kind of their temptations to leave the church or stay with the church or something like that um, based on agreement or disagreement because it's like, no, no, that, that's not what brings us together. It's actually Christ who bring, we participate. That's why we're one body and you mm. can't get in or out of that. Yeah. The only way to get in or out of that is if you cut yourself off from Christ. Like that's mm. the getting out of it or if you renounce the gospel, like the getting into it is you believe the, the message that of all the good stuff that God has done through Christ. And then you abide in Christ and he abides in you and he does that by the spirit. And so the fact that Marcos abides in Christ and Kessie Rain abides in Christ, that's what bonds you and I, even mm -hmm. though I'm sure you and I disagree 
on like what a good movie is or maybe (laughs) what first corinthians 8 really means or maybe we disagree on um issues of ordination or if deacons should be serving this way or that way or whatever right um but but the gospel and christ and the spirit like our life together in the trinity that's what binds us together that's what Mm. makes us church we're spiritually constituted fellowship and we we really cheapen that yeah wow look i gotta be honest with you i've had these conversations before and you know i've read books about it and, and things like that you know what is church what is church not i've had my own opinions and um contributions to that conversation but this kind of blows the lid in in a way. No, seriously, it does because when you put it that way, I can really see how much we cheapen what church is. You know, like if church is, you know, this group of people who are spiritually connected by being one with the body of Jesus, with the broken body of Jesus, if you know that's what makes us one, mm-hmm. and then we go from there and we say what church is is this event on Saturday morning, uh. and this is a you know, and then we divide each other like, oh, I go to a contemporary church and I go to a traditional church, and, you know, like. It's ridiculous. Like when you put it that way, it, it just like or at this very moment, my brain is like, whoosh, you know, <laughs> um, because yeah. you're right. Like if you are in Christ and I am in Christ, then we are bonded together in a way that our disagreement can never sever. Yes, exactly. And like you said, the only thing that can break that is if one of us or both of us decides, I want to cut myself off from Christ. That's the only thing that can break that. So in a sense, the, 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 this, this even in itself is, is an understatement. Um, the church, not an event, not a club, not, 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 a, not a place, it's, it's a family, but even that is, fails to capture – you know what what you're saying you know this this idea of being spiritually constituted you know fellowship mm-hmm. in Christ like far out yeah that 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 is really profound and so, and uh, yeah sorry i'm interrupting you but no I go for it that. yeah it's all good <laughs> <laughs> that is why these con- the, you know when we want to part ways with people because of things um like worship style or because um you know, someone wronged us, like, or ignored us, or we want to break fellowship because of these these matters that don't um, spring from the heart of the gospel, you know, things about church polity and things like that. Mm. I mean, it, it's just ridiculous. It's like, it's like renouncing your family, right? Like, I'm not going to be a part of this family anymore because I don't really like the way you guys do Thanksgiving. So I'm going to someone else's house from henceforth, mm. right? Like, like in a sense, it's like, well, sorry, you can't get out of this family. You can stop coming, I guess, and we'll really miss you and so forth, right? But like, mm-hmm. you don't get out of the family because you think that cranberries and stuffing should never touch. <laughs> you know, 
And like, we are having huge, like knockout, like fights about things that are of that level of importance. When you think about the church is a spiritual fellowship, you know, but what unites us is like, we are called by Christ's name. We are calling on Christ's name. We are in communion with the triune God. You can't get past that by just um, like, it doesn't meet my preferences. Yeah. Yeah. That's really profound, man. And it, it, it's, you know, almost like I'm just using my own language here because I have a weird way of thinking. So it, it's, it's almost like um, there's, there's a deep element of romance in there where this unity is, you know, it's powerful like, like you said it's not just people who agree coming together and and that's one of the things that i see especially in the world of church planting in my experience church planting in adventism i don't know about other denominations because i'm not in other denominations but in adventism in my experience church planting happens more out of division than out of mission mm-hmm. so what what i've witnessed is you'll have a group of people who will say we disagree with this church and they'll talk to another group of people who will say we disagree with that church oh but we all agree so let's start a separate church where mm-hmm. we can all have what we agree you know let let you know we don't like this church because they mix stuffing and cranberry and, and right. that one mixes stuffing so let's go start a church where the stuffing and cranberry are never mixed you know and that's why we've started the church yeah um and 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 sort of what we end up with is this idea that church is all about agreeing mm-hmm. on, you know, I, you know, theoretical or theological or, or ideological concepts mm-hmm. that don't really have a bearing on life and, and, and the transformation of our communities. But what you're saying is, look, we can disagree on that stuff, but if we learn to see one another as spiritually in Christ. I mean, I'm having a hard time just finding the language. Uh, you know, like if I learn to see in you, you know what, Kessia and I disagree on X, Y, Z, but she is in Christ mm-hmm. and I am in Christ. And that stuff's just not that important. We are still bonded together yes. because of that, you know? Yes, um, and then the, these labels that we put on, you know, you're talking about this this phenomenon where so many church plants are really born out of division, and the result of that is we start defining ourselves by we're the cranberry and stuffing church that you don't mix. We're the non-mix mm-hmm. kind of church, and those yeah. are mixed churches. And yeah. you start getting the place where you're your secondary labels are starting to become primary to you. So you're, yeah. you're starting to form your group identities around things that are not essential. It's about mm. being family. It's not about this issue or that issue. So, you know, being liberal or being conservative or being pro women's ordination or anti women's ordination or being, I don't know what it is like drums or carpet color, whatever our stereotypical <laughs> examples are, but like, when our, whenever you start defining yourself or other Christians primarily in that way, like that's the lens through which we see each other, that is the, the sure sign that we've lost sight of our true constitution as mm. members of one body in Christ. Yeah. That is 
Yeah, far out. You know, I, I can think of so many examples where, you know, I, even in my own personal experience where I have done the same thing. You know, I, I can I can I can think of those and, and I can see that is real. And, and like you said, you know, you, you mentioned this thing about defining ourselves by a secondary by the secondary labels. Um, I, I feel like in a sense what that really does is it breeds when, when we define ourselves not by our union with Christ, but we define ourselves by this is why we're different. Mm-hmm. It, that, that seems to be a, a breeding ground for narcissism. And, so, and a breeding ground for separationism, you know, like yeah. we're, we're, we're isolating ourselves. We're, we're coming, you know, we're, and look, I understand that in a spiritual sense, there is a place of separation. Yeah, I get all that. But I'm talking about like this exaggerated sort of thing that we often see that's unhealthy and toxic, um, where we define ourselves not, like I said, by our union with Jesus, but by this is why we're different. You know, we're the church that doesn't yeah. mix cranberry and, and stuffing. So that's right. why we're different. And and all those mixed churches, you know, and, and now they become almost the enemy. They, they become the less spiritual people. They become the the we, we almost dehumanize them. We despiritualize them. Yes. That's because right. we disagree with them. Yeah. Yes. And then what when it comes to mission, you know, what what now is our mission? Because when we get defined by those lesser things, when we get defined by, minis- uh, you know, worship and music style or we get defined by what our church building will or won't look like, or this issue pro or con, that becomes like part of our mission. Like we think we're trying to make disciples in that image. So it's like, oh, okay, well, that church is is with the big music and we're going to be all about the, like this is our niche, you know? So mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, like we're about being authentic, you know, not like this church that's really showy you know and we start disparaging people like that or Mm -hmm. like oh these people like they're so amateur and unprofessional like we're going to give people like a wonderful worship music experience and so we start discipling people into these minor issues when the the trust like god has put treasure as into the church as a trust right Mm -hmm. like it comes with responsibility so he's given us the oracles of God, scripture, he's given us the gospel, he's given us this mission, he sent us out to preach and exhort and disciple and baptize and make the gospel visible and available, and we get sidetracked on these other things. And so our mission, like the way we conceive of ourselves and the way we conceive of ourselves in distinction with these other groups that might be competition, really can warp our sense of mission and lead us to disciple people in something that is a is a deformed version of the gospel yeah yeah that that is powerful and let me ask you this in follow-up to what you've just said um if we were to see one another as members of you know the same body Mm -hmm. right we were to see one another as members of the body of jesus and 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 i love that you know you introduced this concept you know from from the passage of communion you know that this last supper this 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 is is not just the body of jesus but it's within the context within the framework of his body being broken for us and if we saw one another in that sense in that place with that identity um this is how it's sort of making sense in my head and I want to get your thoughts on this. 
it seems like if we did that, we, we would no longer have the challenges we have with intergenerational worship, where you have, you know, churches where the older are divided from the younger, you know. And so we talk about intergenerational, you know, we need to be intergenerational. We, we talk about being um, uh, multicultural, mm-hmm. right? Like I've been to churches, all right? I've been to churches where entire demographics of people have left because another demographic, another race group entered the church. They migrated, they moved into the area, they joined the church. And entire you know, demographics have said, oh, we don't want to be here anymore because those people are here. Um, I, I, my wife spoke with a lady recently who left her home church of, I don't know, 20, 30 years because a whole new culture of people from another part of the world came to the church and they brought their flavor with them and she felt like i don't want to be a part of this anymore i don't like this you know um and so she and and i don't want to say she i see it's a we we place our preferences and our cultures and all those things at a it's like we hold it at a higher esteem than the broken body of jesus that unites us oh lord mercy and yeah, and if if we yeah. were to do the opposite, if we were to seek through the Spirit to be united through the broken body of Jesus, it, it's it, the way it makes sense in my head. It's almost like the intergenerational stuff would take care of itself. The multicultural stuff will take care of itself. Yes. Um, and and there's another element um, that I, I don't hear spoken of a lot when it comes to to church context, and I see it. I see what you're saying speaking so much life into this element as well. It's what I call polyexpressional, right? We talk about intergenerational and, and multicultural. Um, we don't talk a lot about polyexpressional. And what I mean by that is, I, I, for example, I was at a church. Um, I worked at a church where there, you know, it was very, it was, it was large. There were different, different groups of people. Um, intergenerational worship wasn't too much of an issue. It was, it, it went pretty well multicultural wasn't too bad it did pretty well but when it came to polyexpressional that's where it really dropped the ball and what i mean by that is every culture has subcultures you know so you'll have your bikies and you'll have your people who are preppy and you'll have your kids who are like emo you know like all these little subcultural expressions right they're different expressions within any culture there's these subcultural expressions and what i found in this church working with the youth and in, in, in different settings was if you were, if your cultural, if your subcultural expression was sort of preppy and well-to-do, you belonged. If your cultural expression was you identified with, you know, you came from a family of bikies and bogans and uh, or emos, then you didn't fit in at all. Mm-hmm. Nobody wanted, you know, no, nobody wanted to talk to you. So if you were preppy and you wore polo shirts and you know <laughs> that kind of thing, then you belonged. If 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 you were if you were more like you know came from more like like I said this bikey sort of gangster or you know covered in tattoos and black hair and you know all that stuff, then you didn't belong. And and it was almost like, and and that's when I taught us started talking about you know creating church culture where we are polyexpressional in the sense that a gangster can sit down with a geek and they can worship Jesus and love each other together and a rich preppy boy surfy boy can sit down with some emo you know goth girl and they can worship and love jesus they're not separated by these subcultural expressions all of that is gone 
Yes. And when you talk about this idea of seeing one another in the broken body of Jesus, it blows the lid off of all of these other labels. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm emo, I'm goth, I'm gangster, I'm, you know, I'm a geek, I'm a dork, you know, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It just blows the lid off of all of that because yes. in yeah. Christ, all those walls come down. Intergenerational, right. multicultural, polyexpressional, it all comes down. One of the one of the neglected virtues of the New Testament church that we have really lost sight of is it was considered essential that you practice hospitality. And and I and that we can we can talk about that in terms of Christians extending the hospitality of Christ to strangers and um, you know, we can make political applications to that and whatever. But especially the thrust in the New Testament is showing hospitality to other Christians. That was huge. Yes. That was like repeated again and again and again. And so of course, you know, we sometimes mix up hospitality and like entertaining, like having people come mm-hmm. over for a really nice like dinner party or something. But think of just like the basic hospitality that we lack that leads us to have this distance and lack of welcome that you just described in that particular church. And it exists in so many churches. We don't exhibit, we don't exhibit hospitality to others. So that is the fundamental vice, I think, mm. in, in a woman who will leave a church after 20 or 30 years there because a new culture is coming in. And she's mm. saying, oh, this doesn't meet my preferences. We are failing to practice hospitality. And furthermore, it demonstrates that there is a lack of vibrant gospel life in my heart. Because when church becomes really about my preferences, that means that it's about pleasing me, right? Mm. Whereas gathering together, the purpose of gathering together is not actually to bless me. It's to bless others. And so it may have that effect on me. It may bless me as a result. But the fact is, I come, according to scripture, I come to share a word of exhortation or encouragement. I come to, if I have the gift of this or that, to serve in the that way of this or that. I come, as 1 Peter 4 says, to, um, to show forth the grace of Christ manifested in me through this particular way, and so forth and so on and so on. But if I don't have a vibrant experience with Christ— then I show up to church and I'm like, what are you about for me? Mm, you know, I want right. to sing this type of song. But if I have an experience with Christ and I come together on a Sabbath morning or Wednesday night or whatever with a group of fellow Christians and we're there praising the Lord. Oh, I'm praising the Lord. Mm. I'm not tripping about if it sounds like it has a melody from another continent or something. Absolutely. Yeah. We've become shriveled up. So not only are we not practicing hospitality, but let that be a real diagnostic tool. And I'm saying this to myself because I go to places and I look around and I'm like, you can't even see the words on the screen. Like the font is so tiny and like they didn't get the aspect ratio right. Or like (laughs) a girl like leading the song clearly doesn't know the second verse of the song because like the words went away and she doesn't know, you know, like. I get in the critical mode, and I think we all know pastors are the worst at that. You know, we can't listen to sermons that being critical. We can't go to worship services or any other church that being critical. And when we see that, man, we need, like, just go to God in our hearts and, like, Lord, you have to 
you've got to do a work in me. Like you need to put your praise in my heart because when God's praise is in my heart and his grace is in my heart, then I'm about serving other people and I'm about worshiping God and I'm not about letting other people be about me. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Cassia, we've run out of time and I'm like, no, ah, <laughs> uh, that, you know, but I gotta be honest with you. What you said, I think is something that I can chew on for days to come. Um, look, thanks so much for taking the time to share. Thank it's you so much. And, and yeah. you know, we started this conversation talking about, you know, what is church not? How do we get to, you know, the place that we are where we're more where we're not than what we should be? Um, and, and I feel like the simplest answer to that question is that we've lost sight of the union that we have, that spiritually constituted union that we have in Jesus. Um, and if we can recover that, then there – I mean – there's no telling where, we, where we'll end up. If we can recover that vision of one another as being one in the broken body of Jesus, being united through that, I mean, yeah, look, I, I'm going to be thinking about this for a long time. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Wow. Um, we have run out of time. We have run out of time. We've gone, we've gone over a little bit, so my apologies. But um, one more thing before we close. If uh, someone's listening to this podcast and they say, look, love what Cassia said, the interview should have gone longer. Darn it, Pastor Marcus, why did you stop it? Um, <laughs> I would love to hear more. And they wonder if they can contact you. Can they contact you? How can they contact you? Yes, they absolutely can contact me. Actually, there's a whole way to email me and find my Twitter and all that stuff on my website, which is moves-removes.com. Okay. And okay. so you'll find a page there and about me and you can email me and follow me on Twitter or catch me on Visco or Instagram or whatever and we can be in touch. All right, awesome, man. I will um I will put these on the on the notes underneath the interview as well. So um anyone who's listening if you if you want an actual link to click on. So you're on Twitter, on Instagram. Is there a particular handle? On Twitter, I'm at k-r-e-y-n-e -E, and on instagram it's at kessia rain all right sweet i will i will put those at the bottom of the notes so that you know people can, can find it easily thank you so much kessia rain for taking the time to share this amazing stuff with us and i want to thank you out there for listening if you haven't already done so make sure you subscribe to the podcast and head over to pomopasa.com for more stuff uh, I believe the local Adventist church has a beautiful story to tell, and I want to invite you. Let's work together to optimize our churches to tell that story well. I'll catch you guys next week. God bless. Well, that's all I've got time for today. But if you want some more, just come hang out at pomopastor.com. Thanks again for spending some time listening to the podcast. I'll catch you on the next one.